0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola, founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. And today I'm excited to have a special guest on the podcast to talk about how to take a deep assessment to unpack and reverse your negative money beliefs. My guest is Kara Stevens, and Kara is the founder of The Frugal Feminista, a New York City-based personal finance and personal development company that is committed to helping women live life on their own terms. Kara was able to climb her way out of $65,000 worth of student loan and credit card debt, and she built up her financial reserves. And while doing this, she soon saw the link between personal power and financial freedom, and she wanted to inspire and educate women around the world to do the same. And so on this episode, Kara and I talked about how her mom's personal experience around men and money impacted her own money story, including how she started hoarding money as a result. She talked about what she did to pay off that $65,000 of debt and how she was able to overcome her negative mindset around money by testing out the theories that had been impressed upon her about money to determine what was true and what was not. And we also talked about how going through this deep assessment of her money beliefs and experiences with money, including seeking therapy, changed her life. Yes, this was a great episode. But before we jump into this episode, be sure to stop by clevergirlfinance.com to check out our personal finance course platform. We are launching brand new courses every single month and recently launched our core investing concepts course, which is the first course in our deep dive into investing series. We also have a ton of really awesome courses that are both foundational and life-related. And of course, there is our epic blog that you can take advantage of. So be sure to stop at the site at clevergirlfinance.com. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, I would love for you to subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And you can also listen to episodes on the Clevergirl Finance YouTube channel. And don't forget to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes if you're loving it and be sure to tell your friends about it. Now let's get into this awesome episode with Kara. Hi, Cara. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bo. I'm so excited to be here. Excited to be talking to you about your personal story with money. Um, and before we dive into that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell them who you are, what you do.
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, my name is Kara Stevens. I'm founder of the Frugal Feminista which is a New York City-based personal finance and personal development site. And um, I'm committed to helping um, all women, but specifically women of color, heal their relationship with their money and themselves. So I do that through speaking, um, workshops, um, some one-on-one coaching, um, but through books and things like that. It's really mm-hmm. exciting.
0: Sounds amazing. I love what you said, What you how you stated heal their relationship with money. So mm-hmm. that kind of leads me to ask you, what is your own personal story with money? What led you to this place where you're now helping other people?
1: Um, that's such a great question. And I, everyone's money story and money journal is like journey is very different, but mine usually starts with understanding my mom's money story. And growing up, um, my family's from Antigua, and um, my mom immigrated here um, in the in the seventies and had me and my brother. And long story short, my dad left, leaving her to be the um, financial caregiver and emotional caregiver, and that really devastated her in so many ways. And so I saw her kind of pick herself up um, in terms of dealing with money. So she was very. Um, clear about her beliefs about money when it came to men and money, that you shouldn't trust them. You should mm-hmm. always um, fend for yourself. And that specifically as a young woman, that education was the only way that I was ever going to you know, thrive and things like that. And um, so I had a mixed bag of uh, messages when it came to money. One when it comes to interpersonal, romantic relationships, even family relationships. You should stay away from people and have people stay away from your money because the two didn't mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it was a strong sense of self-reliance and being resilient and pushing education is one of the most important things. And along the way, there was always this idea that there was never enough money because she always had to struggle. Um, so I grew up with like a, a mixed bag of feeling that, wow, uh, I can work, work, work. I have to work, 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 because no one's going to have my back. And then when it comes to other friends and things like that, I shouldn't trust anyone. So it was um, a complicated relationship, but I learned um, as I got older how to tease things that were not my money story and that were my mom's money story and learn how to have a healthier relationship with money because what was happening was that I began to hoard money. You know, I became such a saver that I almost didn't want to uh, be generous to myself or others because I felt there was never enough based on Mm -hmm. what I saw growing up but um with a lot of support a lot of therapy with a lot of just thinking and kind of making my own mistakes and own victories i began to see that there's a lot more to um money um than this idea of deprivation or even this idea of overall like giving money away for no reason either there's like a balance that like, you can strike even though it may take you know trial and error to do so
0: mm-hmm. that's really interesting and you know a lot of times we hear the stories about Um, people who just don't have enough money that's the common theme I don't have enough money to do x y and z you Mm -hmm. know but then you come from a perspective of you feeling like there was never enough and when you did start to have money you started to hoard it right so it's like Mm -hmm. the flip side where you now have money but then you're not spending it so and you know I'm sure that this is something that a lot of listeners are experiencing especially when you come from a background where there wasn't enough money or you were told certain things when you were growing up or you had certain beliefs based on just upbringing or whatever it is, how did you overcome that? Like what, I guess it starts from how did you recognize it? And then how did you get to the space where you over, overcame it? And you know, like what, what, what do you, what, I guess, elaborating on <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like being able to give to
1: yourself, like what
0: did that mean?
1: Mm, I think that's a great question. I think what ended up happening was that, um, I started to test out some of these theories, you know what I mean? Like, um, so first the, the the practical was that, okay, I had student loan debt. Right. So I Mm -hmm. had, um, at total between my first, second and third degrees, I had about 65,000 worth of student loan debt. And what ended up happening was I was able, because Mm -hmm. I was, you know, super duper saver and super duper focused, um, and had this drive to like eliminate debt cause debt was also something that um, I was taught was like something you don't want to carry. And I still kind of agree. Um, is I, I try, to get really um, focused and eliminated the debt. And so eliminating like the first was the $40,000 um, in my my last degrees in, in, in about two years. Um, and the other 15 or like 25 was between my first and second degrees. Um, that was also through scholarships and also through like um, student loan forgiveness and just being really vigilant about how to not work the system, but redefine print to make things work for me. Um, hmm. And so all I have to say is that I got out of that debt that I still didn't bring this level of, of common relief, you know? So it had to have been something deeper. So clearly it wasn't about the money. It was about the emotions, right? And so around that time, shortly after I met my husband and we got married and a lot of those beliefs about what a man should do and what a man shouldn't do, what a woman should do in a, in a relationship started to, to surface and fester. And I think it created problems, um, nothing too heavy where we couldn't work through it, but it was something that I started to notice was that, listen, these beliefs are actually could ultimately ruin my marriage if I didn't learn to open up my heart, you know? And so I think it was just more of realizing that you can love your parents and love who they are, but their stories aren't yours and the best, and, and the, your stories aren't theirs. And the best way to try and figure it out is to test it. Like, can I trust my husband mm. with money? You know what I mean? So what does that mean? It means you open up a a savings account, a shared, a joint savings account, um, a joint checking account. And also you can still maintain your separate accounts that you brought into the marriage. It doesn't mean that you don't trust them any less, but this idea of sharing a a life together and maybe using money in a small way as a vehicle to prove that. So we did that and then that worked out fine. And then um, when it came to being generous with myself, I had to really ask myself very difficult questions each time I had this nagging belief that I shouldn't have it. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, it's because I deserve it or I'm worth it. I was like, it's a little bit beyond that. It's more of just like, are you being rational? When you think about, I used, so I used to do things like this. I used to say, okay, um, what is the cost of this in relation to my total net worth, right? So if mm-hmm. I wanted to buy, like, say something that I felt, um, you know, I didn't need, but I wanted, I said, well, life is just not about needs only, um, especially for the oversaver, for the overspender. That's a different story, but we're a diff- it's a different demographic of people who have more than enough money, but still kind of hold themselves back and kind of sometimes feel like they don't, um, they don't have to live within, they, they don't have to have what it is that they want. And so why do I believe that? Is that, is that rational as well? You know, um, cause most of the personal finance advice out there is for people who overspend and overindulge. And so that didn't apply to me. So I had to realize that I had a, is mm-hmm. a, different, it's a different set of questions that had to be asked. So I guess that's how I overcame. It was to think about like, who, who am I in relation to the financial world and who I want to be in relation to the people that I love and what, what did my heart really say versus, um, those other voices. And so I had to find like the voice that had the most rational, thoughtful and comprehensive approach to handling money and listen to that voice more um, and follow those actions and then see what was the outcome of those actions. Did the world end? You know, did all my money go away? No. So I can do more of that and then still feel. Um, like I can have my cake and eat it too. So I can have money, have things that I like, have good relationships with my, um, the people in my social circle and kind of have trust. You know what I mean? I think it's a larger piece of trust. So it's testing it.
0: I love that. And I, you know, you said a lot of stuff that really, I just think is really just (laughs) awesome. Um, because it takes, I don't know, it you have to really get in tune with yourself right. to be able to make a change like that, especially when it's not just a habit you picked up, especially when it's something that has been ingrained in you as part of your upbringing, right? Those specific beliefs about money, like you, you have to be number one, you have to recognize them. That's the first part. A lot of people experience things like that. They don't even recognize it. They find other places to shift blame on why, what, but they don't really recognize, okay, this is the thing that's causing me or this is like my root cause. Right. And then the other thing about that is once you recognize it, then you have to be able to push aside the emotion and then push aside your mindset blocks to be able to get rational, like you said, right. and want to be able to test them. And that is like almost the sweet spot where you're able to get rational and say, Okay, I may feel these certain ways, I might have these limiting beliefs, I may people may tell me X, Y, and Z, but I'm just gonna allow myself to gain perspective and be rational and test these things out and just observe and see the outcome and say to myself does it make sense and i think for people who are dealing with a challenge that you dealt with in terms of like you know the flip side of how you felt um that's that's where they need to get to that's the point they need to get to where they can objectively and rationally be like okay I'm going to try these things out and get the results and decide that this is the way to go or this is not the way to go. That's, that's the sweet spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it takes like, it took really just first, like kind of unpacking, like what it is that I've been taught. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. And then identifying your current money belief and seeing, Oh, okay. These are the roots of it. Like you were saying, and then you can ask, is it serving you? Like, is it serving you financially or emotionally? Because a lot of times, if you like, say you're going down a path, Bola, and you want to know, well, what could possibly be the outcome? Look at someone who's been doing it for 20, 30 years and you can see more than likely, you know, what could happen to you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like in seeing certain like, people that I knew, not necessarily my family, but just people with similar beliefs and mindsets, even like people, um, even celebrities who had similar money disorders, you can see that it doesn't end up in a, in a happy place. And I wanted to be in the exact opposite. I wanted to be in a happy, healthy um, place with all people in my life and, and be happy with the things that I was doing. So you can work backwards and see who's done what you're doing right now and see how's it going to pan out for you if you do the same thing. So
0: you said, take a look at people who are doing those things and look at where it's gotten them 20, 30 years down the line. That's, Mm -hmm. that is really deep. Mm -hmm. So for those of you listening, if you are Indulging in a behavior Or you're taking an action That maybe you're not so sure about Or you know there is a better way To do things around Your finances Improving your money mindset Like it might be a difficult thing You need to do to overcome Where you are now Like you Kara had to do To get to the next level And you're still like Wishy-washy about it Find people in your space Who are older than you Who are in that same It could People in your family And just see how far That behavior took them I think that is that alone in itself is motivation mm-hmm. because I'm sure when you looked at those people in your space who were with that same limiting belief and who believe those same things about themselves and you look at them now, that's not who you want to be.
1: Exactly. So that's great okay. motivation, you know, cause they're living, breathing right there. You don't have to theorize or hypothesize. You see them right there. Um And so you can start to say like, you know, you, I mean, we're all different and all unique and special, but those kinds of things, the more you do it, the more it becomes an ingrained habit. And so it'll be harder for you to stop. Mm-hmm. So if you're like in your 20s and 30s, even if you're in your 40s and you know someone in your 60s and 70s that have continued that mm-hmm. habit, you have time and you, and you have the opportunity to change. It's not going to be easy, but it is possible. And it's, it's something that it's recursive. You keep doing it over and over again, then mm-hmm. you get better at it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to clarify to folks listening that when, when we're talking about looking at people who have, you know, kind of stayed in a, a certain pathway that you don't want to be be on, it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't right. mean that, you know, it it's not, I mean, it just means that you can learn from other people's experiences and other people's past and try to create the path that you truly want for yourself as opposed to just settling because everybody else is doing this. You can take a look and say, okay, I don't like that for myself. Um, and I still love all these people, despite the fact that I don't like those specific things for myself. And so I'm going to do better, you know, and, and ultimately we all have choices. We all make choices and our choices lead us down the various paths that we find ourselves. And so you want to make sure you're right, making the right choices for yourself.
1: Yeah. you can do the flip side. You can find someone that's doing exactly what you want and then ask them to do it. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. So I wanted to talk about like the people around you, right? So when you started making this transition between what you thought and your new money mindset, your new shift around your finances and just your life overall, how did the people around you react to the new Kara, the Kara that was, there is enough money and I'm going to have plenty of it and I can get past my debt and you know, my husband's not a terrible person. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> I think it's just because I treated myself better. So I ended up, you know, I ended up treating other people better. I don't know. It just opened up my spirit. I think it was actually more the person that I was, but you know, fear and, and lack of trust, you know, makes people do certain things in maybe different areas of their life. So, I mean, I, um, my, my friends even said, Hey, Kara, like I even asked for help more. It's just different. You know what I mean? Like I was like, Hey, can you help me with this? And they like would run to help me because I never asked for help. And that also means that I can still be extremely self-reliant, but also getting help doesn't negate you from being self-reliant. So I have to still be myself, but just a better version. My husband and I, like say, for example, um, we don't really have money, like difficult, like conversations around money. There's not tension because like there's always going to be enough. And we'll, if, if, if there isn't, we'll figure it out. So there isn't this sense of um, angst around um, money. And even like, say, um, with upcoming expenses or like, I know one of my big triggers was like spending large amounts of money um, at one time. Cause I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. I'm like, Kara, is it really crazy? Like, these are things that you needed, that you said that you wanted and think about what you're going to get in return. So um, I don't have like, you know, I never had like panic attacks. I'm on the floor like dying, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just kind of like, I just have a more streamlined uh, approach to money. And also just like I work less because I realized that my priorities around, um, I've been able to have more of a, comp- a a holistic life that just doesn't focus on being, you know, I'm extremely driven, but also not driven for driven sake, like I'm driven so I can have money, so I can have fun, or I'm driven so I can save for the long term. I can um I can buy that lipstick that I want, you know, and like I can save, I can um invest, I can splurge, I can you know do things for the long term. So money has a particular focus more so than just to hoard it and just have it, you mm. know. Um if you have a family member, and this also goes with them found also having financial boundaries, it doesn't mean like I'm the family a t m either don't get me wrong you know what <laughs> what I mean? I'm not saying that I have some money, Kara, <laughs> right that would be a negative, you know what I'm saying I'm just playing, but you know what I'm saying, but within that, there's also boundaries, of course, but it's just this idea that um there's more openness around it that it doesn't make me feel like a prisoner and it doesn't make me feel like um. I have to be so um tight fisted you know it's good to always have boundaries and goals and things like that, and it hasn't stopped it and I think that's the larger understanding is that you can be um flexible but still committed to your goals it doesn't stop um you from doing that, and you can do so with having fun instead of just being so you know tight and just girl for lack of a better you know <laughs> I can't find a word
0: so one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning was um therapy and you kind of mm-hmm. dropped it in there mm-hmm. i wanted you to kind of elaborate on that a little bit more because what i find with mm-hmm. people getting seeking help or seeking assistance through therapy is there is kind of like there's many camps but there's always there's there's the one camp that's like well um i don't need help i can figure it out myself that's you know there's a stigma about it I'm, i don't need I'm not going to see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And then there's a flip side where, where they're like, oh, but it's just money. It's not even that serious. Mm-hmm. Why do I need to get help for it? Mm. Um, <laughs> right. And I think that having that outlet, you know, it could be a traditional therapist. It could be in the form of people in your space, in your community, whatever it is, that gives you the outlet to um, share what's going on with you and also get positive feedback. Feedback specifically positive feedback or um, what's the other word? Useful feedback, not like nonsensical feedback. Because sometimes right. you open up and people will tell you all kinds of nonsense. Oh girl, we're all broke. <laughs> right, 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 right. Not that kind of feedback. But right. I think having that outlet is really important, or at least having the option. And I also think that um, the stigma around it is unnecessary because um, a lot of people try to hide behind... I'm so strong, you know I can do this, but right, right your finances ties very deeply into your mental health too, absolutely, so I just want to talk to you about why you know how you made the decision and how you felt afterwards, and you know for someone who's kind of listening is like, oh i'm I know I want to talk to someone, but I don't know, just get yeah. your perspective
1: well, I mean, I think that you know how say um let's just even say you. With ther- let's just go straight to therapy. I think that what made me decide to go is because I realized that um, I was in a very stressful work um, situation, and it was a, it's extremely um, it was it was impacting um, my mental health it was impacting like even my desire to even get up and even like comb, I comb my hair. I have locks, but like, you know, just take care of basic grooming yeah. and things like that. And, but the thing is I didn't, I didn't feel that I could stop doing it. And I realized that was a problem. Like, even though something was working towards my detriment, I still felt I had to carry on because the work had to be done. And so um, I realized, and also I was pregnant, you know? So I was like, wow. this, can't, this can't be, this can't be. I, was like, I just had this kind of, out of body experience, seeing myself kind of toiling, 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 and then realizing that um, this still belief that I can do it was continuing to be whispered or yelled at me in my head. I'm like, wait a second, but I'm unhappy. Like, where am I in this whole kind of equation, you know? And so I it was a Christmas Eve, it was like Christmas Eve or something. I was like, you know what? This is not going to work because I'm crying like a couple days before Christmas. It's not going to work. I need me be a therapist. I need some help. So I found one and I worked with her for about a year um, just to kind of go through um, all, you don't realize what you you think you know how you think you have a pain in your in your knee but it's really you have a heart condition. <laughs> right. so you realize you go in for something but you unpack 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 and you realize it was something completely else and so the therapy is wow. a wonderful relationship where you don't have to be giving like that's the best thing about therapists like they're paid to listen to you literally do you know what i mean like it's a it's a relationship it's, Um, I felt uncomfortable in the beginning because I was trying to ask my therapist how her day was. She's like, "Why? I mean, that's not our relationship. We're not friends. I'm your therapist here to help focus on your issue, which was very, you know, uncomfortable at first because I'm used to hearing other people's problems and trying to solve other people's issues. So, -hmm. to like when it comes to money, is that money came up tangentially. Um, in the conversations, but it was the healing process itself of like those beliefs I had about trust. You know what I mean? Those beliefs I had about where I saw myself in the world or how I saw myself, Would I feel myself as an outsider, an insider, like for some women who overspend or uh, who feel like, you know, their appearance is so important that they have to fake it till they make it. Those kind of things in therapy. And they begin to think about where they get those messages and how those beliefs serving them now, like all that allows you to just exhale, you know? And so all that to say is if you're listening and you feel that something isn't quite right, no one says you have to go to therapy for six years or 12 years. You know what I mean? Book a session or two and figure out um, how do you feel afterwards? And if you feel that you're making progress and releasing some of those identifying those beliefs and realizing, examining them and realizing they're not working for you, then continue to go, you know, and see how far it can get you. And then if the cost of therapy, um, is something that is a factor, um, I would think you can do, you can, um, I mean, check your insurance. Hopefully you can find someone that's in your network, Um, Sometimes you may decide that the therapy is so important that you're willing to sell things that you don't need in your house to actually pay for the cost of it. And also like even journaling and some even self-help books um, can actually supplement the work until you get to the next session. But in terms of money, I think like therapy is a great place to begin to talk about the relationship with like if you notice that it's taking, if it's really negatively impacting not just your finances, but your career or your relationships, um, or even Mm -hmm. your health, you know, um, ideas of, um, you know, not going to work on time drinking because of, of debt or, you know, suicidal attempts because of, Mm -hmm. of debt. Those are all things you want ASAP to go to someone to talk about because you know in a larger piece of money, money is important. Um, but when it comes to life or money, you want to choose life, but you may need help to realize that.
0: Wow. So for someone who's listening to this podcast now and they're like, Okay, this is making complete sense. I already knew I have these limits, I already knew I had these limiting beliefs or This is actually starting to, I'm having some aha moments here and I, I need to figure out what to do next. Right. What, based on the women who come to you to get help with this healing, their relationship with money and the deeper stuff, what would you say would be a a first step that they could
1: take? Well, I think that like, um, there's different levels. Yeah. And I think that if say you just know that you have a, if you know that you're like a self-starter and you, you know, you know, you have an issue and you can work it out. Like just say on your own with like a support, I would say, you know, get my book, heal your relationship with money. Um, it's 28 days of exercises. I call it life work where you actually go through like four, um, weeks, like seven days each of really um, thinking about money at a very deep and intimate level ways questions that you probably never asked yourself or wanted the answers to but they will help you unpack where you are um, if you wanted like um to have like more like a uh, more personal touch like working one-on-one with me um i don't offer many coaching sessions because i like to deal with women who are really serious about it because sometimes these things make you very uncomfortable and you want to run away so i get it But for Mm -hmm. people who are seriously interested in, say, working and thinking about money in a way that they never thought about it and understanding, like, why they may be in debt or why they get out of debt and then go back into debt or why they never open up their bills or why you feel animosity towards women who have lots of money or men who don't make a certain amount of money or why you feel like all these different things. Like why do you feel the way you feel about money related topics? Then I'm probably a person you could definitely talk to, to unpack that um, and help you see um, some of the beliefs that you have and what beliefs you'd want to replace those beliefs with that are more empowering, more um, affirming. And also the systems, the actual practical systems of budgeting and and debt management and and automation to help you maintain um, the new, um, the new beliefs in time, um, and in real life. So I would say those two steps. And I think there's online communities like yours, Bola, that talk about, I give you inspiration and information about how to, you know, fix your mindset, identify limiting beliefs. And so if you have, there's so many, um, there's so many ways that you can go about it, but I think it's based on your budget, based on your level of commitment, um, and based on how much pain you're in you know, mm-hmm. and how badly you want to get out of the pain. That's
0: really awesome. I'd love to link to them in the show notes so that, you know, folks who are listening to this can be able to access them and get those resources from you. Thank you. You're very um, welcome. So this has been great, Kara. I really appreciate you coming on to share your personal story and just talk through, you know, like overcoming um, these type of things um, and, managing your mental health to be, to get to a place where you're basically at peace with your finances and, you know, you feel good about yourself and you've, you've able, you've been able to identify your, I guess I I would call them, I don't know, demons. Yeah. I like that. My money (laughs) demons. Exactly. Um, but before I let you go, you have to share, what is your clever girl superpower?
1: Ooh, um, my clever girl superpower. I'm like going, ha 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 ha. Um, my clever girl superpower is, um, I guess I have empathy, you know, I, I empathize. I can put myself in other people's shoes and, um, you know, be able to understand, see what they see and help them come to a solution. And, um, yeah, so I think that's my superpower. That is, that
0: definitely ties into what you do. (laughs) (laughs) And how can folks keep in touch with you? Where can they find you? They want to learn more.
1: Well, you can always go to my site, thefrugalfeminista.com. Um, and um, if you sign up to be part of our email list, you get a free little gift on the five day financial reset plan. And some talking about similar themes we talked about today. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, Instagram as the frugal feminista and on Facebook as the frugal feminista and um, you can always email me at carrot at the frugalfeminista.com it may take me a little while to get back to you but I will definitely get back to you whether it be a global email to the the whole group or to an individual question that you may have that um, I can support you around
0: thank you so much Karen I'll put all these in the show notes so that folks have ask- access <laughs> can speak so no. folks have access to it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thanks for
1: having me, Bola.
0: So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Kara. And if you did, two things. Number one, tell all your friends about the Clever Girl Finance podcast and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Number two, stop by Clever Girl Finance and check out our learning platform. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. And thank you so much for listening.